Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Dave Rudat. Today is a podcast on the history of Thanksgiving with lessons for today. We're going through uh, the Bible and the history of Thanksgiving in the Bible. We'll also look at uh, Thanksgiving here in America as well. That's the podcast for today. This podcast is being broadcast on both the Casting Nets podcast and also the Emmanuel Cares podcast. A Casting Nets podcast is a podcast of pastors just talking about real life and living faith. Uh, Pastor Will Harley and Pastor Dave Rudot uh, do that podcast together. And Emmanuel Cares is a podcast of the sermons preached at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley. So these are two podcasts that I'm involved in. And because of COVID and all the schedules and plan B, plan C, plan D going on here at Emmanuel, I had, and then also uh, the Lord blessing us, our health has been a lot better. Our situation is a lot better than we were anticipating. So I have a little bit extra time. So I'm putting this together. This is a service I put together several years ago. Uh, it's going to be awesome uh, as we look through the history of Thanksgiving and as we learn the lessons of history, um, as we look at how God works in history and how and why God's people respond by giving him thanks.
The first Thanksgiving, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, the first sons of Adam and Eve, demonstrate that it is innately human to give thanks for God's blessings. Cain and Abel also demonstrate that your faith determines what kind of gift you give to God. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that Cain did not have faith in God, and we can see that in the quality of his offering to him. Abel did have faith in God, and we can note his first fruit giving, giving to the Lord first and then taking care of himself. While we can be quick to look at the differences in their offerings, as this is the reason why God is pleased with them, let us learn the lesson of history, that God wants our hearts and not our stuff. God looked with favor first on Abel, as the writer to the Hebrew says, and as Genesis says, and then on his offering. We read from Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanksgiving after the flood, Noah and his family. Now perhaps Noah gives the most expensive Thanksgiving gift to God. What do I mean by that? While there are two of every kind of animal on the ark, God had commanded Noah to keep seven pairs of the clean animals and seven pairs of the clean birds on the ark. So when Noah sacrifices to the Lord after coming off the ark, he would be sacrificing one-seventh of the clean birds in existence. He would be sacrificing a good portion of the clean animals that existed on earth. So let's learn the lesson of history, that faith in God gives to him first and gives to him our best. And why do we do that? Because the God that we worship is a God who makes and keeps his promises. God promised to never again to destroy the earth with a flood. God kept his promise, and all his promises, especially the promise to send a Savior from sin, Sin, which still was there after the flood, still remained after the flood, still needing a savior after Noah gets off the ark. Let's learn the lesson of history to give God thanks to the God who keeps his promises. We read from Genesis 8 and Genesis 9. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. So Noah came out, together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the earth, came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and, taking some of all of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all the living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and between every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be 
the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and with all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanksgiving at the Harvest, Ruth and Boaz In the midst of the story of Ruth and Boaz, we catch a glimpse of harvest time in ancient Israel. We see how such an activity was filled with thanksgiving to the Lord who blesses. God provided for his people even when it didn't look that way. Ruth, a Gentile, was a widow to her Israelite husband. She insisted on staying with her mother-in-law and worshiping the God of Israel and not the God of her own people. In time, the Lord provided a godly husband for Ruth. Ruth, who at one time looked like she had been abandoned by God, becomes the great-grandmother of King David, and so also in the bloodline of the Savior. Let us learn the lesson of history that God still blesses us even when we don't see it at the time, for he keeps his promises, and chief among these promises is to send a Savior for all. We read from Ruth, chapter 2, beginning at verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the life leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked a foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with, Ma- with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now except for a short time in the shelter. Short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here and with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and, and your homeland, and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This is the word of the Lord. Thanksgiving in the Gospels Jesus and the Ten Lepers. The love and generosity of Jesus shines through as he heals ten lepers. As we read this lesson, we learn the lesson of history that Thanksgiving starts in the heart and it is not bound to one particular group of people or to one particular place. This Samaritan, uh, a member of an ethnic group despised by most Jews of Jesus' day, is a work of God. It's a reminder to us that God works in the hearts of all people to work thanksgiving for all of his blessings to them. 
We read from Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word. Thanksgiving in the Epistles Paul and Timothy In 1 Timothy, uh, Paul is writing a letter to a young pastor, and this letter has lots of practical, practical lessons for us today. Thanksgiving and contentment go hand in hand. Material blessings from God are good things, but they can ruin and destroy the soul. They can take away the contentment that God gives. So let us learn the lesson from history, that the material blessings we enjoy today and the material blessings that really we enjoy every day, they don't go with us to heaven. Let's take care of our souls uh, through God's word and sacraments, because these do go into heaven with us. These are things that matter eternally, and they help us to be content, no matter whether we have riches or are in want. We read from 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is God's word. The first civil Thanksgiving proclamation. Here we are moving away from the history of Thanksgiving in the Bible to the history of Thanksgiving in the United States. Now we're going to be talking about Governor William Bradford. Americans generally consider the first Thanksgiving in America as the one the pilgrims celebrated with Native Americans in 1621, which is 400 years ago. Back then, a, quote, day of Thanksgiving, end quote, was determined by the church and pastors based on circumstances. In 1623, a new trend started. Governor Bradford became the first civil authority on American soil to proclaim a day of thanksgiving. Let us learn the lesson of history that while Christians don't need the government to tell us to be thankful, we don't mind a reminder either. We have so much to be thankful to God for, Chief among these is that Jesus lived and died for us so that we won't die for our sins but live forever in heaven. And because of Jesus, we can live today. We can live today in thankfulness and joy. What follows here is not God's inspired word, but an occasion for us to reflect as citizens living under both God and the government. 
insomuch as the great father has given us this year an abundant harvest of indian corn wheat peas beans squashes and garden vegetables and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams and insomuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages has spared us from pestilence and disease has granted us freedom to worship god according to the dictates of our own conscience now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting-house on ye hill between the hours of nine and twelve in the daytime on Thursday, November twenty-ninth, on the year of our Lord, one thousand six hundred and twenty-three, and the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye pilgrim rock, there to listen to ye pastor, and to render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings. Thanksgiving is nationally and annually celebrated. A day of thanksgiving was proclaimed by the Continental Congress and by presidents such as George Washington. But these government-proclaimed days of thanksgiving, they varied on when they happened, whether they were on particular months or on particular days. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln that thanksgiving settled in the end of November as it is today. Abraham Lincoln started our modern yearly National Day of Thanksgiving on October 3rd, 1863. Let us learn the lesson of history that this proclamation happened in the midst of a civil war. This, there is always a reason to give thanks, even in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of sadness, or in the midst of want. For God's providence is always there, not because we deserve it, but because that's who he is. He is the God who deals with us, not according to our sins, but according to his mercy. Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving Day Proclamation, October 3rd, 1863. We read, The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensitive to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations, order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines, as well as iron, as coal, as of the precious metals, have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield, and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect a continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in our anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy." It has also seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged us with one heart and with one voice by the whole American people. I do heretofore 
invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our benefit, beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliveries and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perseverance and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently employ the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. I invite you to join with me in a thanksgiving prayer. We pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we have enjoyed a year filled with your bounty and your goodness. You have blessed our country far more than we deserve. You have given us food, clothing, shelter, and everything we need to carry on our lives. For this, we thank you. May the fruit of our faith be hearts that thank you not just with our words, but with our actions. Lead us to share what you have given us, uh, whether you've given us something physical or spiritual, that we would share these with others who are not as fortunate as we. And if it is your will, continue to bless us in the future. We ask this in the name of your Son who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God throughout all eternity. Amen. <laughs> 